How would you use a Rat King in your own campaign? What would it be like to play in a game as a Vortex Dragon? What attributes does a Pumpkin Leshy have again? On Random Encounters, we answer those questions and more. Each week, I, Nick, pull a random monster from a random manual. Matt and Brandon try to guess what it is based on flavor text, and then we all discuss. We have over 20 manuals to pull from, and over 5,000 monsters contained therein. We're in for a podcast that's sure to be, choose your own answer, A. Scary, B. Adorable, C. Funny, D. Intriguing, E. All of the above. So tune in every Monday for a new monster to play as, add to your campaign, or just be introduced to for the very first time. That's Random Encounters from the Feckless Momes Audio Network. Search your cast catcher of choice and you'll find us there. Subscribe so you don't miss a single monster. Clean off your butter churn, brush down your riding cow, and grab your rope to practice your sheep shank. Because it's time to talk tall to me. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. Hello, everyone. And good night. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I am Nick McGill. And I'm Omen Said. And we are Feckless Moms. And together, Nick McGill and I are going to take you on a journey through the ages. We are time travelers with a very specific mission in mind. Here on Talk Tall to Me, Nick and I will give an in-depth analysis of every single song recorded on a Jethro Tull album from the years of 1968 to now. That's right. And we are wrapping up the end of the second album today. It is the end of stand-up. Technically, we'll still be addressing the bonus tracks in the, the weeks to come. That's right, Nick. You and I grew up in a digital age where we had access to some of these bonus tracks. And so uh, we are going to be reviewing those as well. But th it is important to remember that the original format was as on the vinyl, on the stacks of wax, if you will. And this is the last song on the wax disc. Five songs per side. This is song number 10. Omen, what song is this? This is... For a thousand mothers. And let's roll that wax. For four four thousand mothers. Forty-four thousand mothers. <laughs> Okay, what a zesty ditty this is. Wow, it is so zesty. I like this song a lot. It's, can I can I tell you um, some of the just initial words that I wrote down? Yes, you did this to me the last two weeks. No sentences, just tell me words. What do you think? Go. Gritty, ragey, teenage, hormone. Angsty. Angsty. 
Wait, how do you spell daddy issues? F O R A T H O A O U. Oh man, this is yeah. Yeah, 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 I've yeah. never I've never paid a whole heck of a lot of attention to the lyrics um until we did this project and now uh-huh. boy howdy, that's an eye opener on this song. Uh, so, you know, before we get too ahead of ourselves, let's contextualize. So, right. the year is 1969. Ian Anderson mm-hmm. is how old? 22? I think so, roughly. Yeah, think? I think it was 21 for when they when they started. Um it's the tail end of of 69 at this point. Right. So, he still can't rent a car in today's world. Right. And he has experienced a rather, you could call it meteoric, perhaps, rise to public attention, come into a bit of money. Sure. Through his, his hard work. Yeah, and that's the context of from his end of things. Right. We can surmise, based on the content of these lyrics, that he didn't get a whole lot of support from his family? Question mark. So we have not actually talked a lot about Ian Anderson's early life on this podcast yet, but I think that we might better should. For context, if we could if we could shine any semblance of light on what we just listened to. Yeah. Well, I think that we can shine a little bit of light on the situation. And here here are just some basic facts that even that even in their stark presentation, I, I think we'll give you a little bit of context. Sure, give them to me. Ian Anderson was the youngest of three brothers. Mm-hmm. Ian Anderson was born in Dunfermline, Fife, Scotland. And his father, James Anderson, ran the RSA Boiler Fluid Company in Dunfermline. Boiler Fluid Company? Now, I know that you're excited about about that, Nick. I um, I mean, and listen, I love boiler fluid as much as the next person, as much as the next <laughs> done from liner. <laughs> you know, I I I wonder what what boiler fluid is. <laughs> well, I guess that's what's in a boiler. I guess it's not water, right? Well, well, wait a minute. I guess there maybe there are different kinds of boilers. Well. Ladies and gentlemen, please tune in to Talk Boiler Fluid to me, the other podcast by the Fleckless Fleckless Moments Radio Network. Oh, boil Um, my fluid. But I, so I don't know what being the president of a boiler fluid company entails, but I doubt it has a lot to do with artistic expression. Hmm. I think it sounds pretty traditional. And I wonder if Ian Anderson felt a little bit on the outside of his of the expected life choices that he grew up with, you know what I mean? Well, isn't that isn't that always the case with the third? Like the first one goes into the the first one inherits the farm, the second one goes into the military, and the third one becomes a minstrel, essentially. You know? Right, right. I mean, who who really knows? I mean, again, like a lot of this is. Uh, is speculative. Right, right. But I do think that that's I think that that's telling. I and and what uh, what to me a lot of this song is talking about is 
being told that you can't do something that you want to do mm. and you know saying that that you're never going to achieve your dreams on the on the strange path that you're following and i can just imagine when the president of the rsa boiler fluid company <laughs> heard that his son had moved to london to play the flute in a rock band was just like i mean what do you make of like what do you make of that that sounds crazy. Why aren't you following in my footsteps? Yeah, or doing something more traditional. I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't even just that he was going to play music. Yeah. It was that he was I mean, if you've never heard a rock flute before, somebody being like, "I'm going to play the flute in a rock band." It's like, "Um, that sounds crazy." Oh yeah, it's bad enough that you're playing in a rock band, but you're playing the flute in a rock band? Right. Yeah. Now, also, though, it is interesting to note that apparently Ian Anderson listened to his father's record collection when he was a, a, a boy, mm. which included a lot of jazz and big band stuff. So interesting little tie in there. Perhaps his father unwittingly sent him on the path towards flutedom. Sure. Just by being exposed to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm putting out a guess and I'm trying to find the proof behind it I'm guessing that the A is Anderson in RSA oh could be I wonder yeah now completely well not completely unrelated I always forget Ian Anderson has a fish farm or or he did I guess he doesn't anymore he doesn't have the salmon fishery no what happened to they it so, they sold it in the 90s oh yeah. Really? Because they made no money. They had 11 farms, a smokehouse, and two processing factories. At one point, they were employing 400 people. That's a lot of salmon. Yeah. And they didn't make any money when they sold it. They sold it for, for peanuts. Huh. Yeah. Crazy. I wonder if he regrets getting out of the salmon business. I feel like it's, I feel like it's on the upswing. <laughs> now, of note, interesting here. Ian's oldest brother, Robin, was ran the, the Scottish Ballet starting in 1973. Wow. So it's not it's not as if his family was totally, you know, bereft of any kind of arts engagement. Sure. Although being, you know, the administrator of the ballet is not the same thing as being a balletist. Sure, right. He he was a ballerino. Yeah, I was going to ask you, is that is that the male ballerina? Ballerino? Ballerino Bal- is the masculine. I I don't know. I made that up. Ray and I had that discussion like a week ago, and we we were trying to figure it out. I figured you would know better than I would. I don't know. But yeah, he was he was a he was a businessman. Correct. That just happened to be in the art dealing in in ballerinas. Yeah. No. <laughs> I don't think he bought and sold dancers. No, he would pull up into a parking lot and open the the trunk. Open the boot, oh my as they God. say, and um, and be like, "Hey, hey, I got a ballerina." That <laughs> that's all Ooh. I got. <laughs> that's that's a lot, Nick. I mean, at that point, it was probably was expensive to buy a ballerina. Now you can get them anywhere. <laughs> well, this is the problem with arts training. Sorry, this is a this is a, a digression, but you know there is there is a there is an overabundance of performing artists 
and a, a dearth of performing arts employment. That's what I have to. That's what I have. Is to that say commentary? That. Is that complaint? Is that yes, yes. All right. Well, I'm. I'm. You. You know. You were saying that there is. There's. There. You know. You could. You could. There are dancers all over the place. Hmm. It's true. Not that many of them are dancing professionally. You could almost say that there are podcast artists all over the place. <laughs> oh wait a minute! <laughs> this is getting dangerous. It's too close to home. Abort. Abort. <laughs> Okay, back to for a thousand mothers. Yes, forty thousand mothers. For for four thousand mothers, according to Schmurf Schmeblin. Um, it's. Do we want to talk? Do you want to go back into lyrics, or do we want to talk music? Let's talk a little bit more about the lyrics here. Okay, like I said, I did not realize how angsty it was. How like, in one regard, it's a hey, look, mom, I made it. Yeah, totally. But then in the next line is, didn't you? And also, I want to point out that that line is, did you, the, the did you hear mother line? It's not, did you hear my mother say something? It's, did you hear, comma, mother? Directly to his parents. It's it's addressing mother, yeah. But the line, that it's, hey, mom, look, I, I did it. Dad said I couldn't do it, but I did it. Look at me now. It's right. such a it's such an I told you so. It's so sassy. Yeah, it really is. There's anger in there. There's anger behind that. Mm-hmm. 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 Yes. It's interesting. It's interesting. It's like it's like, you know, taking real pleasure in being able to tell being able to say I told you so. Not not just oh, being absolutely. able to say look at this success, but <laughs> You know, did it surprise you to be picked up at eight in a limousine? It's a great shiny flute-shaped middle finger to his dad. <laughs> and his mom, I think. I think that they're both in this in the lyrics bearing the brunt of it. True, but it, it's it seems a little more passive for the mother's part. Could be. Could be. I, I don't think either of them escape unscathed. No, definitely not. In some instances... If we hadn't been looking up and really kind of taking apart all of his songs up until this point, yeah, I think you could get away with saying, "Oh, this is this is just a narrator. This is a part. This is a song. Right, right, right. That has no basis in the songwriter's life." But this, we've seen how personal he gets he he writes yeah, what he knows absolutely even if it's poetic even if it if it's kind of buried in allegory and and metaphor he writes what he knows and and this is less <laughs> this this is not buried at all this no. is on top of everything yeah well and you know i think that this entire song could be summed up with the last two lines it was they who were wrong and for them here's a song yeah. And he waits till the last track. Can you imagine his poor parents, you know, getting the album? I'm sure they listened to it. Oh, sure. And being like, oh, this song's great. Oh, this song's great. Oh, this song's great. Oh, this song's good. Yeah. Oh, let's flip it over. Oh, this is a nice one. This is a nice one. Last track. Boom. Yeah. In your face. And on top of everything else, without having Mick on any of this album. Yeah. This is a 100% Ian Anderson album. That's right. It is on his shoulders whether it succeeds or fails. 
and it does better than this was did. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So so yeah, putting that right at the end, that cherry on top, is Ooh, what a bitter cherry. Oh man, it is spiked with arsenic. This is calculated. This is a. Vi- this feels like such a calculated move. Yeah, but also, you know, we're talking about how personal this is, and and how we feel that this is directly addressing his own parents. Mm-hmm. But then there's the title. Yeah, it's not song for my mother. Right. There's an attempt, I think, with the title, to universalize it. And, and in a way, I, I do think that he's trying to perhaps speak for people who take a, a path that's different than, than what their parents expected of them. Absolutely. That's that's exactly what I was going to say. It's He wrote this song for everyone out there whose parents said, no, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. You should go to community college. Yeah. Yeah. I get the impression that he was perhaps a difficult child. It's hard with what little knowledge we have. It's difficult to determine if there's a single person at fault. Certainly. Who knows what the heck Scotland in the 40s was like? The the in the fi- well I guess he was so 21 in 69, so he was born in 48. He was, in, he was born in 40, 47. August. 47. Yeah, okay. So the late 40s and, and early 50s in Scotland? Like, what yeah. the heck was that like? Who knows? Yeah. I mean, it's really just after the war. Yeah. It was a different world, really, from, from anything that, we're, that, that we experienced. There, there's a, he said in an interview at one point, that he got kicked out of his grammar school. Which has got to be hard to do. Well, the reason why they kicked him out is because he refused to submit to corporal punishment. Wow. <laughs> Good on you, Ian. Yeah, yeah. So he was he was standing up to the man? From when he was a kid. As a young pup, sure. Yeah. I'm going to kick you out of my school because you won't let me hit you. <laughs> that's right. Bonkers. Right. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the way it was. Ooh. Yeah. Does not play well with others. Does not submit to corporeal punishment <laughs> from others. Yep. A minus B minus in getting his knuckles cracked with a ruler. C minus in paddling. <laughs> There's a lot of speculation. In terms of this podcast in general. This podcast, period. End of discussion. We don't even know that there was a band called Jethro Tull. I mean, is this really a podcast? Yes. (laughs) It better be, because I've spent a lot of hours in this podcast. (laughs) So that's it for me in terms of lyrics and content. Well, obviously, we've been really really both kind of affected by these lyrics, because usually what we've done in past episodes is talk about the music first and then yeah and then the lyrics and now and for this one we just we just jumped right into the lyrics yeah i think affected just really in the sense of not relating to it but it's so powerful that that he chooses this platform and this delivery 
Yeah, and I mean, a lot of the songs we have, a lot of the songs that we've talked about are more poetic, I would say. Oh, absolutely. More subtle in their lyricism, and so mm-hmm. it, there's more to pick apart. Mm-hmm. This feels pretty much just literally... He's laying it all out there. You get what you get. Yeah. But because of that, that's why it's so notable. That's why it's so remarkable. Absolutely. That being said, I don't think we lose anything because of it. It adds to the effectiveness. It definitely makes it a particular kind of a song. I mean, it's not, it's, it's, it's a very different piece mm-hmm. than Reasons for Waiting or Look Into the Sun, which both of which draw you in. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah. This is this just jumps right off of the gramophone and smacks you across your Charlie Browns. And I I wouldn't want to hear a whole album of this delivery. Oh no. Oh goodness no. But it's again his his choosing the timing and and the certain delivery and style like he it's it's super calculated. He knew what he was going for. I would love to know how long this song took to write. Oh, I think about three minutes. <laughs> I think he woke up one morning, smoked an entire cigarette in one drag, and wrote the song on the exhale. Yeah. The disparate pieces of this song must have been kicking around in that noggin for, for some time. And, he, and <laughs> he finally just wrote it down. He literally just wrote down stuff he'd been yelling in the shower for, <laughs> yes. for 20 years. Exactly. Every time Clive pounded on the bathroom door and told him to shut up and quit crying. He's like, I have to write this down. (laughs) Maybe they made him do it. Maybe they were like, hey, you got to get this. Either go see a therapist or like get this, get this out. Yeah, that sounds right, actually. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm actually glad that we talked about the the lyrics first because the music is so, it's hard to separate. But there are a couple things that I want to point out here. Sure. Obviously, it's super aggressive. You've got that precise bunkering happening on the drums. Oh, he's so good. Martin Barr, everyone's, I mean, everyone's like working overtime on this song. Yeah. But I think that there is a little, a little, what's that thing when you dig for a precious metal? A vein. There's a vein of that same anger and aggression and roughness that we hear much later on when they were in their kind of heavy metal phase. You hear it a little bit in the guitar, you hear it with the with the flute, with the tempos, with the style of drumming, with Ian's vocal style. You mean when they beat Metallica for best heavy metal album? When they, when they beat Metallica, yes, exactly. Was it Catfish? What was that one? Roots to Branches? Uh, Crest of a Was it Crest? I know it was right around there. I yeah, it was one of I never remember which one it is. I, I will have to, we'll get there. We'll get there in in 30 years. Do you have a song in mind that this reminds you of? Oh, you had to go and ask, didn't you? To me, I don't see this. I mean, yes, we will see it in, in heavier music a little bit later on. But this, to me, feels like the final step to bring us into Benefit. This is the one that sounds the most like Benefit to me. Now listen to Steel Monkey. Squirrel Okay, so it's not quite the same style, but it's I'm not saying that it's like the same, but there's there's some of that like aggressive power chord. Yeah. Martin was there, obviously, at that time. Right. I think that what we're seeing here is a seed being planted. It's a practice crop. 
it's we're not sure if we want to nurture this yet, but but we're considering it. Nick is um is a practice crop a real thing? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. In far especially like um smaller organic kind of independent farms, you if you particularly if you have a CSA, you'll you'll do like a small batch of something, A to see if it works well with your soil and your your other the other stuff you're growing, but also to see if people actually are interested in, in getting it. It's a test. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's a dry run. Interesting. Yep. Huh. How dare you doubt me? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I wonder what, what this band's namesake, Jethro Tull, the 18th century agriculturalist mm. would say about that. I wonder if he would agree with your statement or not. He would say, you can use this handy seed drill to plant it. <laughs> I don't care what you plant as long as you use the seed drill. Only seven easy payments of 12 farthings each. <laughs> wow, 12 farthings. He was... And someone, please give me a home for the love of God. <laughs> I need some vitamin C badly. <laughs> we would be remiss not to mention Glenn Cornick just plugging away in the back. Let's not be remiss in, in mentioning Glenn Cornick. It, he's, Let's hey, mention Glenn Cornick. There we go. In this one, his base is super solid, and it stays in the front. Um, granted, it's only just that one kind of backbone, like he's really good at. But it doesn't fade away like most of right. his stuff does. Like even he has that anger going on, and it's it it shows. It shows in every single one of the instruments. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. They all did. They all went to see Mr. Freud beforehand, and he was like, "Tell me about your mothers." Yeah, and they were like, "We have to get to the studio now." <laughs> And of course, flute, drumsticks, the neck of the bass, the neck of the guitar, all penises. <laughs> Naturally. I, I'm so surprised that I didn't I didn't know that that's what you were going to say until you said it. You are actually you... No, I'm being I'm being genuine. That shocks me. You snuck a penis joke in on me. Well, it was a Freud joke for what it's worth. Oh, I mean... okay. oh so hey, oh hey, hey, maybe do you want to talk more about it? <laughs> Sounds like sounds like you got a lot of anger there, Nick. <laughs> Not to you. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Just the last thing to to note for music for me is that little that little break at about I think it was like three fifteen, three seventeen. The false ending. This is the second time you mention. We see it once. I don't remember which one it was. In this was we see it once. In this was that you you mentioned. You pointed it out the first time we heard it, but here is here it's it's more prominent. I think I, it feels a bit stronger. Yeah, I I agree. It's it's much more. It's much more dramatic. Yes, yeah, that's a good way to put it, because invariably the the song itself is much more dramatic. So feeling it end, it's a, it's kind of like a you're letting out a breath. And then they pick it back up again. Well, and there's something really interesting there. Like, at the time, if the song did not pick up after that first ending, uh-huh. I don't think that I would respect it as much as a, as a, as a piece. But huh. because it has that false ending, and then when they come back in, Ian Anderson has switched to a major key. It's brighter. It's a lot brighter. Yeah. And there's just a moment of like a little joyful flute reverie. And mm-hmm. and it really, it lifts the entire piece, just providing that one little moment of contrast. 
yeah. and makes me think that and separates it for me than just a an angsty teenage proto-death metal song. Yeah. Yeah, and in terms of the whole album, it's it's a much better button to end on that that brighter note, you know. Absolutely. And if we want to take it apart just a l- little bit more, that whole song was, look at me, I'm doing great. You said I was going to fail. Look at me, I'm doing great. Stop. And then I'm just going to just play some bright little music for for a minute. And then I'm yeah. done. I, I am actually happy. But look at me. Right, right, right. There's a lot to unpack in that song. But even if you didn't, it's still a rocking song. It is. It is. You know, this is not my favorite of the album. Right, yeah. This wouldn't be my choice to end the album. If it were up to me. What would you end it on? I think it makes a really good button for what it's worth. It's just so, you know, it, it's just so aggressive. And it, it, it to me, it, it almost... It almost sits at odds. I would I would end it with reasons for waiting. I would switch those two. Yeah. I think for a thousand mothers should open side, side two. Mm, yes, exactly. Honestly, just move that one to the front. Then nothing is easy. It's also heavy. It can follow. And then you're eventually just, you're going back down. You're, you're descending. But, you know, that's not, that's not Ian Anderson, is it? No, it's not. It's not. That's that's too easy and that's too formulaic, I think. One of the things that has always drawn me to the music of Jethro Tull, and which originally got me interested in it, besides the flute, obviously, is that it's challenging music. Yeah. To listen to. It's not it's not put it on in the in the background and ignore it. Music. Yeah, you lose you lose a lot if you try to do that. And there are so many changes of tempo and key and instrumentation that it's it's a bit, I want to say, disquieting on a certain level. Sure. You know what I mean? That there's a there's an element. There's a there's a, a sense in which it's it provokes you. Yeah, it it forces you to pay attention or turn it off. And if the album ended with reasons for waiting, I might think. What a lovely album. Mm. But with it ending with For a Thousand Mothers, it makes me think, I would like to hear what they do next. Yeah. And also go back and listen, like, what did I miss? Did I just, like, right. did I fade out on something <laughs> right. and I just I just missed something? Right. Yeah, that's a really good point. Now that I'm looking at this track listing, I really... I think it's pretty solid. I think it's pretty solid, actually, thinking about the, the placement yeah, yeah, yeah. and things. The 1973 cassette version has the same track order, but on opposite sides. So Why? side A is nothing as easy, fat man, we used to know reasons for waiting for a thousand mothers. That seems peculiar. That is really strange. And maybe is it just strange because of we're so accustomed to it the other way around? You know, are we are we attributing too much to it? No, I think that's the I think that's just a wrong way to do it. I think that it, it's better <laughs> it's better in its original it's better to start with a new day yesterday. Yeah, I think so. In terms of the progressive story that is Jethro Tull, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you don't want to wait until track 8 for freaking beret. 
That's just no, exactly. Ooh, and like you said, if you're ending on some reasons for waiting, if we switched it around, you'd be ending on look into the sun, and then it's just it's a nice mellow down key moment. And there isn't that kick. There isn't that that wake up. Yeah. Anything else? I'm pretty sated with this song and this album, the album proper. You know, I, I'm ready to the jump into proper. those bonus tracks. Yeah, we are going to be talking about the album Improper mm-hmm. soon. Today, on this day, on this very day, on this very day, I listened to the live recording from their Isle of Wight spot and maybe less than a minute in as they're introducing forget what what the song was but it basically Ian was explaining how they have Martin Barr playing but it's an old song it's a song from the first album it's my sunday my sunday feeling you're talking about yeah that's what it was it was my sunday feeling and he he calls him he he calls their their first guitarist Mick Abrahams. So we've mm-hmm. been mispronouncing mm-hmm. it this whole time. Or Ian Anderson mispronounced it, and that's why they broke up. Wow. Just, okay. Just floating there, there it out is. there. You know? There it is. Who knows? Scandal. He he did it just to <laughs> dig at him. It's also very interesting to hear how he talks about Mick, apparently, Abrahams in that moment. I think that we should play a little bit of that a little bit of that audio if we can. Oh yeah, I'll drop that in right here. It's happening right now. It's happening. You're you're hearing it. You you won't be hearing us saying this, but you'll no, be hearing that this audio. Is, this is quite lame. I'm going to do some old songs and some new songs and, and and one or two we've never played before. It seems. And the first one is a a really old one. You know, uh, really forgotten this one. I think it's from the very first album in the days of Mick Abrahams and all that. Martin, listen to the record, so we're going to play this one. It's called My Sunday Feeling. Thank you. Yes. I hope you two know. No, it's nothing original. It's nothing that we haven't said better and fun or more more fun or funner or nothing we haven't said with a funnel. <laughs> but chug these podcasts. <laughs> I bought Chuck these these podcasts yesterday. Nick, I was so tired yesterday. Not from binging on the podcasts, but because I was so tired, I just lay on my bed and listened to four podcasts straight. On the third one, I got up and went and ate a, a cheeseburger at a diner and drank a couple beers while I listened to the, the last one. Of our back catalog or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're caught up now? Mm-hmm. I don't believe you. I've listened to a lot of them, Nick. How how do you not? I listen to them. Because well, you edit them. So many times. But I, I also listen to... I listen to them when they come out, too. I download them and listen to them. Well, I have subscribed to them. You, like, you just subscribed to them? No, I oh. had subscribed to them before. Good but Lord. I listen, I'm, I'm, between, I'm between podcast gatherers. Because I, I I recently got Spotify and so and so I haven't been listening to my actual podcasts app that much. You can phone. listen to podcasts on Spotify. I know, but it's taken me a minute to figure that out. 
Um, okay, I have a serious question for you. Yes, go ahead, please. Do you know any pirate jokes? What's a pirate's favorite letter? What? R. Wow. You asked if I knew any pirate jokes. Um, you didn't ask for good pirate jokes. I'll tell you a pirate joke. What's What's a pirate's favorite subway line? R. You'd think so, but his heart belongs to the sea. <laughs> I think I've heard that. I think I've told you that one before. I think it was. I think it was just what's a pirate's favorite letter? R. You would think that, but it's his heart belongs to the sea. Yeah. Oof. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah. So how dare you make a cringe sound at mine? <laughs> Just I I don't know. I was expecting something more. Um, I was expecting something more complex. You did not ask for a complex joke. No, that's true. Hang on. Okay, I'm listening. Hang on. Are you looking up pirate? Jokes I'm looking. Up, I've 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 had the punchline to this joke in my head for years, mm. thanks to our mutual acquaintance Kelly Stallard, and could not remember mm. the setup for it. Mm. Is this a radio appropriate punchline? I mean, if you have kids listening, they might be confused and or they might be confused as to what Jethro Tull yeah, is. Yeah, there you go. So at this point. Over half an hour into the podcast, there are no children listening. <laughs> we have lulled them to sleep. If <laughs> if you like, like many of our listeners, use this podcast exclusively to put your children to sleep. You're welcome. We agree with your parenting style. A pirate walks into a bar with a steering wheel sticking out of the front of his pants. Oh yeah, I know this one. Yeah, tell it. The bartender looks at him and says, "Hey, you know you have a steering wheel sticking out of your pants, right?" And the pirate said, "Pirate looks at him and says, "Ar, it's driving me nuts." Yeah. You know my favorite thing about pirate jokes? Is this a joke? No. Oh, okay. Being able to manipulate the language of the the me. It's 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 using the it's using the accent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The yeah. fun pirate accent. That's like ninety percent of the reason you tell pirate jokes. Yeah, I do. Being able to deliver with using that accent, basically. Exactly. So Nick, I have now a a four eight thousand mothers related question for you. Okay. If this song were a domicile, what kind of a domicile would it be? It is a lean to. <laughs> Why? Because it offers some comfort. Mm-hmm. But you're still exposed to the elements. But the elements could be really nice because it could be sunny or a really warm evening. But it also could be super rainy and the wind is blowing the rain into you. Is it? Can I ask a, a clarifying question? If it's about my mother, I'd rather not. No, is, is it a lean-to that you set up in your parents' backyard after you <laughs> quote-unquote run away from home? Who have you been talking to? <laughs> hey, I helped you build the lean-to. <laughs> what? No. Okay. We never built we never built a lean to. No. I was surprised. We didn't spend a lot of time at my house. It was usually at your house. Yes. Yes. And it's not even well hidden. 
It's not. Oh no, no. There's a flag on top of it, <laughs> and can can be seen from the kitchen window while your mother is making you dinner that you're fully gonna come and have. Yeah, right, in like, right. In like half an hour. <laughs> yeah, but it's also using like lumber that your dad had that you weren't that like he was saving to use on something. Ooh, there it is. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, spiteful. You didn't actually cut any of the lumber or even nail it because you were too afraid to. Right. But you moved it. Oh, boy, did you move it. And it's going to get wet it, it tonight. Might, it might get Whether rain it, it rains or not. Dew. Let's get dewy and teary. <laughs> that is for a thousand mothers. Yeah. Mu- music break. <laughs> wow, we worked some stuff out on that one. We We did. Okay, so as we mentioned, that is the the end of this album. We're moving on to our bonus tracks. Omen, what do we have for uh, next week for our first bonus track? Oh my gosh. Um, Nick, I'm very excited about this. We get to talk tall about living in the past. Why are you excited about it? I'm not saying you shouldn't be. Well, it's it's such a um it's such an iconic song. Yeah. Hold on one second while I do some quick research. No, no, no. Don't give anything away yet. You, they got to come back. But yeah, there's some really cool There's some really cool stuff about it. It's it's a song that I really like. It's a delight. And I think you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, so come on back next week. After you listen to this podcast, don't live in the past anymore. No. Live in the future. That's for next week. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Call your mother and tell her about... Talk, tell, call all 4,000 of your mothers and have them rate, review, and subscribe, and then we'll be on top of the charts. Yes. That'd be great if you could do that. That'd be amazing. In the meantime, wait for us next week. And if you could bring some pirate's booty for Omen, that would be great. Yeah, I would love that. Rook really likes pirate's booty. Isn't he a bit young to be expressing himself in that regard? Do not. Put age on my child. How dare you? I'm Nick McGill. I'm Omen Said. We are Feckless Momes. And this is Talk Tall to Me. proud member of the a proud member of the feckless momes audio network i like it <laughs>